This Moment Outdoors is brought to you by L.L. Bean, official partner of the National Park Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. We've been on the road for over two years now in our converted school bus. We've been border to border and coast to coast twice. Is it time for us to make some big changes? We know that change is on the horizon. We don't know what kind of change that's going to be. We know that you've heard all the stories about shady salespeople and poor service. But is the fear of camping world really what it seems? Wow, my mind is absolutely blown by what Mr. X has had to say about Camping World. Can you believe it? And it's major news on the mobile internet front, and it's not good. And one of our favorite places on Earth, where you can bask in the white sandy beaches and roar with the Top Gun jets. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 94 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America in our converted school bus. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot of random. This week, we're coming to you from Montgomery, Alabama, where we're staying at a lovely Army Corps of Engineers campground. The Alabama Army Corps of Engineers campgrounds are some of the best in the nation. Shade for days. (laughs) It's pretty hot here. It's muggy and hot here right now. Except for our campsite. Yeah. Yeah. Our campsite seems to be where the sun just wants to directly aim all of its power. Everybody else has amazing shade. But you know what is what, what is surrounding our campsite, however, at night is synchronized fireflies. It doesn't seem to be anywhere else in the park, but right here at our campsite is a whole bunch of synchronized fireflies. And I've never seen that before. I've never seen it. The only synchronized I've ever seen is the swimming kind. (laughs) And that's not what's happened out there. It's amazing. They're all flashing in the sky, in the ground all at once. I don't know how they do it. I keep meaning to Google it. It's phenomenal. I'm almost 40 years old and this is I'm I'm blown away by nature every single day. Growing up, I saw tons of fireflies. Of course, we called them lightning bugs where I'm from. Yeah, but the wildcrats don't want you calling it that anymore. (laughs) They would like everyone to know it's fireflies. But I've never seen the synchronized variety. And uh, and it's it's special. It's like watching an airport runway, but it's nature. Do you think there's like one firefly that's out there, like with a flag? <laughs> a baton leading the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> kind of gets everyone's like, okay, lights up. And then they just all go together. It's like a symphony out there. It's really quite amazing. We're really taking it easy here in Montgomery. We're not going to a whole bunch of destinations. We're not going to do an episode on Montgomery. We're just sort of being laid back a little bit here. But we did drop by the Southern Poverty Law Center's 
Civil Rights Memorial Center. And that was really cool. It's very small. You blink and you're kind of through the whole thing. But what is in there is incredibly important and incredibly moving. And I'm really glad that if we picked just kind of one thing to sort of give our time to in Montgomery, that we took the kids there and we did that. Yeah. And of course, Martin Luther King marched a bunch of protesters 54 miles from Selma, Alabama, to the steps of the Capitol building in Montgomery. And we got to the, go to the Capitol building and check that out. It was really neat. Yeah. It's all kind of just right yeah. here in one little area downtown. Big news in the world of mobile internet happening. Game changer. Right now. Uh, negatively. The, <laughs> Negative so game. For a while, there were, there were really no options for maybe the last couple of years for unlimited data. They had all the unlimited data plans to use with tethering or to use with a hotspot to not just have on your phone it had been completely gone. And in November, Verizon opened up very quietly a unlimited data plan for Jetpack users. Uh, it was a prepaid plan that was $70 a month or 65 if you were enrolled in auto pay. And that was the only big carrier offering a completely unlimited data plan, meaning they don't throttle you after a certain amount of data. Well, our friends over at the Mobile Internet Resource Center, these guys have a great website, rvmobileinternet.com, uh, where they discuss in incredible minutiae all things internet related when it comes to being out there on the road. They live on a boat now. They were RVers and now they live on a boat. They really deep dive into a lot of this stuff. Well, they were able to get confirmation from Verizon that that plan is being canceled on May 21st is no longer going to be available. People that have it are going to be able to continue to have it for however long. But until it, May 22nd. It, it, well, <laughs> well, it's <laughs> they say it's their people are going to be able to remain on the plan. There's no contract to that plan, though. So Verizon could kick you off or change the price at any point. But if you want to go get it, you got to get it now because it's about to go in just a few days. There really aren't that many options available. One of the options available, though, is the plan from Togo through AT&T which we'll talk about a little later when we do their ad. But I'm surprised that Verizon is getting rid of it because, well, I guess I don't know the numbers. It may not have been good for them. I mean, $65 is a little chunk of change. There have been some other secret data plans that keep sliding in that, you know, you have to kind of hear through the grapevine. Oh, so, you know, AT&T or Verizon just opened this up. I don't know why this has always been such a big secret. We're offering this plan, but we're not going to tell anybody about it. And then someone goes into one of the stores and people in the stores are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That doesn't exist. See, these companies, AT&T and Verizon, they don't realize what the popularity of some of these programs is going to be with RVers. They don't think about RVers when they put them out there. And when we get a hold of them, we're like, OK, we're going to use this like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Verizon had famously announced a few years ago that. Unlimited data plans were over. There were no unlimited data plans on phones, if you remember, about four years ago with any major carrier. And then all of a sudden, over the course of a month, they came back with every major carrier because there was sort of a bidding war to get people's business. But the problem is when you get an unlimited jetpack from Verizon for $65 a month, and then you go use it unlimitedly and use 400 gigs of data off of one tower that congests the tower for all the other people. So when Verizon gets into a situation where 50 people around one tower at the cell tower at 
Yellowstone National Park are all using it, they aren't able to provide the service. So people get mad and angry and especially their customers that are using their phones can't get their data. So they try to limit it. And that's probably why it's going away. Well, we certainly know because we have unlimited data plans. We certainly know that there are peak times of day Mm -hmm. when it just does not work. And that's usually in the afternoon, late morning into the afternoon. I can almost guarantee that everything is going to start slowing down early mornings and into late into the evenings. We're usually just fine. But I will say that we notice a difference when we're in a campground, when we're in a more remote location, it is much harder to work than when we're closer to like an urban environment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because even though the the signal might be fantastic, you might be right by a tower. But if that's the only tower and everybody's on it, then it, it gets bogged down and everybody's subject to network management where they slow everybody down, usually pretty equally. And you have uh, and you have slow Internet, then no mobile Internet is perfect. There is no one perfect option. We actually carry both Verizon on our phones and we have an AT&T hotspot plan. And that's our actually true unlimited plan. But that often isn't going to work out for us. And we back up to the Verizon plan. Sometimes we're in spots where Verizon doesn't work for us and like we can right only now. use AT&T. It just depends. Those are the two biggest companies with the best networks. Neither of them is 100% perfect. And for us working on the road, needing lots of data every single day to bring you these podcasts, to update our websites and all that. Well, Game of Thrones isn't going to watch itself, <laughs> we, Jason. We, have, we don't watch Game of Thrones. No, we don't. I think we're the only two people on the planet not watching Game you know, of Thrones. If there is something that I have learned in the past few weeks, it's that way more of my friends have HBO than I ever knew. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, so when many I was people. growing up, if you had HBO, you were like, oh, you were the fan- king of the castle. Yeah, you were fancy. <laughs> and if your parents had Skinamax, it was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> So <laughs> you, I, I wasn't allowed to go over to those houses. No, no, you aren't allowed to have the you aren't allowed to have Cinemax on after like nine o'clock. No dice. Now, here's the thing. I wonder how many people will have HBO after Game of Thrones ends because yeah. this is the well, final season. But it is it's the world of, you know, it, it's it's now the world of these subscription Internet services. A lot of people that have HBO don't even have cable. They have a, a digital plan where they watch it on their laptops and they watch it on their tablets and stuff maybe through an unlimited data plan maybe i mean we're just waiting for that disney subscription plan to come out yeah have you guys heard, maybe we should talk about that have you guys heard about that can't get here fast enough disney is pulling all of its stuff from all of these different services and uh, but actually disney kind of owns hulu uh disney kind of owns everything but disney kind of <laughs> what owns doesn't hulu. disney own uh but Disney is coming out with their own subscription service like Netflix, like Hulu, where you're going to be able to get virtually all the Disney content, all the Fox content that they just bought. A whole lot of stuff. All the Simpsons, every single Simpsons episode. Yeah. All Star Wars, all Marvel. I mean, I'm waiting to see what exactly is going to be on there. But if it's what we think it's going to be, I'm going to. Sorry, Netflix. You're probably going to (laughs) go. Well, plus they're bringing in new content and they've signed on with people like Steven Spielberg to make it. So, I, you <laughs> so know, ridiculous. they're trying to wipe the floor with everybody and they'll, you know, they're Disney. So they'll just throw money at it. They don't care if they make money <laughs> off of it. They'll just throw money at it until they win. They'll just blow everybody 
right out of the water. That'll be a good option for those rainy nights. But I, I got to say, for us traveling on the road, the number of subscription services that we're asked to be a part of now just blows my mind. I mean, you've got your Netflix, you've got your Hulu and all that, but then we pay for things. We pay for things for our business, like uh, the Adobe Creative Suite, like uh, Gmail uh, Suite. We pay for RV services, our RV subscription things, and some of them are fantastic, but there are so many different ones. There's a lot that people are asking for, you know, your little bits of money a month, $10 a year, $15 there, and it certainly... Adds up quite do you remember a bit. when Netflix was five ninety nine a month? I do. Like when it first I came do. out, and now it's. You I had think to mail just, your DVDs though. Yeah, that was so awesome. I was obsessed with my queue. I mean, I was obsessed. Oh, there were. I forgot about the queue. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was the thing. Yeah, I was absolutely obsessed with it. It was this fine art, moving things around, and oh, what did I feel like? You know, oh, this is supposed to mail, but you know what? I'm not really feeling it. I'm kind of in a more artsy fartsy sort of, you know, movie situation. How many more times can I watch Lost in Translation? You know, I'm that. Uh, so my twenties, you know. This is. <laughs> This, it's like we're talking about eight tracks. The, the, the world is moving. <laughs> Remember mini desk? So, so fast. Can't keep, can't keep up with it. So that's the big piece of news for this week. There's some other news that we'll get to a little bit later in our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. And I need to go to Netflix right now and I need to adjust some things. Just like my watch list. Now I feel like I have this need that I got to go deal with my watch list. Can we take a break so I can go do that? Go for it. All right. weeks, you've heard us talking about our new favorite organizational app for all things RV, Togo. Togo has created an ecosystem of offerings that completely digitize the RV operational experience, checklists, how-to guides, instructional videos, and more, all designed by RVers for RVers. And speaking of data plans, if you didn't catch our episode 91, the best internet option on the road, check it out to hear about their brand new all-in-one connectivity kit, Togo Roadlink. This is the best data plan available for RVs. It's really the only unlimited data plan from a major carrier available for RVers. With state-of-the-art hardware, Roadlink C2 is a powerful Wi-Fi booster combined with a 4G LTE antenna. That means you can connect to the park Wi-Fi, but you can also use it to get 4G LTE data through an AT&T plan in a small all-in-one dome that easily installs on the roof that's controlled by the app instead of a clunky portal. And that AT&T plan is $360 for the year for unlimited 4G LTE data. So whether you're a full-time traveler or weekend warrior, Togo is designed to make your life easier. Simplify your travel experience and download the Togo app today, spelled T-O-G-O in the U.S. Apple Store or Google Play. An RV that runs with Togo enjoys more miles with less trials. We've had lots of questions about the Togo Road Lincoln. I had a guy reach out to me yesterday about getting that data plan. He said he went to AT&T, went to the store and they knew nothing about it. They said it doesn't exist. And that's what's going to happen. You have to buy the Togo Roadlink and you have to get the data plan through Togo. And it's through the car connected program at AT&T. You're not going to be able to call AT&T to get that data plan. You can only get it through Togo Roadlink. Here's the deal. I think anytime you hear the words hotspot unlimited, don't go to the store. Oh, man. They don't know. 
That is I the spent sec- six hours one day at the AT&T store because yeah. of this. That is a secret code word into a secret world that only a select few are allowed into. <laughs> and it's not going to be through a store. Hey, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser. It went like this. I cover you and give you warmth, though I am sometimes a bother. I began to help you from the beginning, but it took me a little while to form. What am I? And the answer is your hair. Hmm? Yeah, your hair. It covers you, gives you warmth. Sometimes it's bothersome and in the way. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. We had lots of people answer the sun on this one. Yeah, I was... I was uh, with them. I was like, that's it. That's which it. honestly, I, I did throw the people that answered the sun into the pool because really nobody answered the hair. <laughs> so our winner is Liam Redmond from Missouri, who will receive Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt. And you'll have a chance to win yours with the new brain teaser later in the show. All right. It's time for our coverage of our wonderful experience in the beautiful Pensacola, Florida. I'm ready to go back. Can we go back? We were just there for two weeks. I know. And it wasn't enough time. Pensacola made my short list of places I could see us settling down in later in life. Just saying. So we talked about Pensacola way back, I think, on episode three. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've been there. So don't listen to episode three. That was a long time ago. (laughs) And we have no idea about the quality of of that episode. It could have been the one that we were recording in the car. (laughs) Probably. Maybe the one at the picnic table. We were really trying to figure out our our method back then. Really? That was about exactly two years ago when we went to Pensacola for our first experience. We loved it so much that we've always wanted to go back. And finally, we had this opportunity to go for two weeks and really sit down there for a while. And it was such a blast. It was a lot of fun. For some people, the mountains are calling. For me, the beaches of Pensacola were calling. And I'm so glad that we went back because it sort of solidified everything that I remembered feeling on the first trip. You know, sometimes when you return somewhere, you have that feeling, is it going to be as wonderful as I remember it being? Is it going to feel as magical? And this was just exactly as I remembered it being, you know, Fort Pickens, Pensacola Beach, Gulf Breeze, Pensacola itself, the Naval Museum. I just everything was wonderful. I can't say enough about it. So let's begin going through some of the places that we went to in Pensacola. Yeah, let's be more methodical about this. than we usually are because most of the time we just start spewing from the mouth. So Pensacola is on the Florida Panhandle and Pensacola Bay is right there. That's sort of created by Santa Rosa Island, which is where we stayed. And on Pensacola Bay is the Naval Air Station Pensacola. The Naval Base has a lot of history. I mean, it goes way back to the early 1800s and before our first Navy was built and housed in the Pensacola Bay. And on the Naval Air Station, you can go out and you can see an old fort, Fort Barrancas. And uh, the advanced readout, which is which is a, a, a smaller old fort that you have to h- hike to a bit. We went to Fort Barrancas. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Fort Barrancas is closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And when we were there the first time we were there on a, a Wednesday, I think, or Tuesday. Yeah, we actually opted the first time we were there not to go over there to make the drive again, because it's about yeah. an hour drive from the Fort Pickens campground. Yeah. So this time, because we were there for such a longer period of time, we knew we were going to be able to go out. 
So we headed out. We were very excited and we get there. It was a Monday. We knew they were going to be open because they're closed on Tuesdays and Thursdays during the Blue Angels season. And this is the time of year when the Blue Angels are performing. So we show up and there's a sign on the door that says something along the lines of due to unforeseen circumstances, we're closed today. Yeah, Everything's closed. But we were still able to go and walk around Fort Brancus and see the, the outside. outside of it, yeah. which was pretty cool. But from what we understand, the inside of it is really pristine and, and worth visiting and spending a good amount of time. Yeah. We're, we're sad that we weren't able to do that, but it was still a worthwhile experience for us. Yeah. And there's a little half mile loop trail, just like a yeah. little nature walk. We took that. We enjoyed the picnic tables because we'd brought our lunch, you know, and we kind of had this idea that, well, we're here. Let's just make the most of it that we can. And even though we couldn't go inside, I still think it's worth the drive over, even if you aren't able to do all that it has to offer. Just seeing it is quite spectacular. We also were able to go into the Pensacola Lighthouse on the Naval Air Station. Well, some of us were. Some of us, <laughs> meaning I went. <laughs> yeah. One fifth of the Epperson so went inside. A, it's a historic lighthouse that overlooks the Pensacola Bay. It's still used and you can see it rotating at night out over the bay. And there's a museum. You get to see about the the people that operated the lighthouse in, in the museum. And there's some fun little games and stuff for kids to do over there. But the main attraction is that you can go up the lighthouse. And if you've never seen the inside of a lighthouse before, the, the entire inside is a staircase. It's one giant big spiral staircase all the way to the top. And this particular one, the spiral staircase is sort of open ironwork. So you can see through it the whole way. Yeah. And it's 177 steps yeah. up. The kids definitely weren't going to do it. No. <laughs> that was not going to happen. Henry would have, but he was too small. Yeah, He, well, he went up 17 stairs and he was very proud of that. <laughs> yeah. But I went all the way up and was able to get the amazing view of the whole bay. Yeah. So he goes, I stay down with the kids and then I was going to go and I started to climb and I couldn't do it. I got to like one of the little walk offs and I just I couldn't go any further. And I was like, I have to I have to turn around. It was just just a little too a little too much for me. I mean, if you're familiar with a spiral staircase, you know, normally there's there's the railing on one side and then in the middle, there's the post and it's not really a railing, but you could hold on to the post. Well, a big spiral staircase like this, you can't reach both sides. So you have to do one or the other. And when you have to pass people. You have to, you know, you grab onto the middle post and, and you're, you're not holding onto the railing anymore. It, it's a little disconcerting. I was, I was fine, but many of the people that were on the staircase going up were not. They would sit on the staircase and take a breather and then you'd have to climb over them and walk past them. That was a little frustrating. But when you get to the <laughs> top, you can go, you literally can peek your head inside the giant rotating Fresnel lens structure with the lamp inside of it. Look at you with your fancy words, Fresnel lens. And then you can go outside onto the balcony that's a wraparound balcony that goes all the way around the, the lighthouse. And there's a there's a docent up there that will take photos for you if you want. And you get to see the whole area, including out over the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, I'm on their website right now and they have video playing of children pointing out over the bay at the very top. And my heart is racing because all I can think about is children get away from that <laughs> railing. 
you are too close. It's really high up. And we had fun seeing you up there. And we took pictures where it looked like we were squishing your head while we were yeah. down below. So that was that was it, fun. It is amazingly meticulously well taken care of. It yeah. is in perfect condition and uh, and it's air conditioned, which I really appreciated on the inside. So you're not boiling inside this giant tube. And there was a lot to see in the museum itself. Oh, the museum is really wonderful. So even if you feel like you wouldn't go up in it, you can absolutely go and, and learn about it and see it from the base. I didn't feel like I had any less of an experience than you did, even though I didn't go yeah. to the top. The museum is in the old light keepers quarters. So they've taken that and they've sort of recreated what the spaces would have looked like in different time periods that the light keepers would have been in the, the home. And so, you know, for me, of course, like there's all this old timey stuff in there. So I'm really enjoying it and I'm reading every single thing. And I think like you and Jack and Henry had kind of taken off. And so it ended up just being Ethan and I. And I think he leans a little bit towards liking to read things, too, like I do. So, Abby reads absolutely everything on the wall yeah. of the museum. And Ooh. this was one where there was a lot of writing on the walls. Yeah. The writing was on the wall and I was reading it. So that was really interesting to just kind of see the history. And then we were able to, you know, give the kids a little insight into what it takes to run a lighthouse. And, you know, the kids were also really amazed. And I didn't know this either, but, you know, we really credit Alexander Hamilton for forming the lighthouse I don't know. I can't think of the name of it, but like this the plan to yeah. put lighthouses across and the, sort of the, the association coast. of what it was before the Coast Guard took it over. That was all Alexander Hamilton. I don't know how the man found the time to create as many things as he did, but even the lighthouses can be traced back to him. It was a big deal. He was always in the room where it happened. So the main attraction on the Naval Air Station Pensacola, however, is the National Naval Aviation Museum. This museum is quite possibly the best museum I have ever been to. It's really well put together. It is an incredible collection of hundreds of airplanes and jets from throughout aviation history. And if you don't like those things or you think you would find that really boring, I'm going to tell you, you probably will not. I'm not a huge naval buff. I'm not really into, you know, planes, trains and automobiles. But even I really enjoyed this museum, mostly because there's so many opportunities to be really hands on in the museum. You can actually climb into the cockpit of a lot of different types of jets and planes. And the kids love that. They will just sit and they will play in these cockpits. They would play all day long if we would have let them. You can also take a free guided tour. And so I was able to do that. I will say about this tour, I, it was a guided tour of the whole museum. I thought maybe it's going to be like 45 minutes. I was on this tour for two hours. But your tour was <laughs> led by a former pilot. It was. And and most of the people that work there, a lot of the docents and, and, and the guides are former pilots. Yeah, this guy had knowledge that... I don't think just a traditional docent who was going to just talk to you about the museum would have been able to provide. He had been a Top Gun pilot, really insightful and really knowledgeable guy. But two hours is a very long time to yeah. be on a tour. So if you go on one, just know that it is possible that you're going to get someone who really has a lot to share with you. I learned more about an air carrier than I ever thought possible. And you could be there for quite some time. So you go into this building and the first thing you see when you go inside 
is an IMAX theater. So they have an IMAX theater and you can see different IMAX shows, which we saw one on air carriers, on aircraft carriers. And they have a whole collection of aircraft carrier models. Every aircraft carrier that the U.S. has built, they've got a model of it. And then they have a whole section for exploring that is uh, sort of made out like the interior of an aircraft carrier there. And Ethan got really into aircraft carriers. Mm -hmm. He's been drawing them ever since. He's been having a really good time with that. But you, so you see the IMAX theater and then you go into the main museum and it just opens up to this massive hangar of hundreds of planes. And you get to see all sorts of the famous fighter jets that existed throughout, you know, World War II. And they have quite an extensive World War II collection. So you think that's it. And then you see this little doorway that leads outside and you realize there is an entire another hangar full of jets. And that the other hangar is is pretty much full of more modern jets. Yeah. Walking into hangar one. That's Which like is the, the other hangar. The yes. second hangar is called hangar one. That's like your highway to the danger zone. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's your, it's yeah. your well, top as you, Yeah. As you walk across, you know, you're just going to get that song and it's going to start playing. And if you're like me, you're going to put on your aviators. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I totally wore my aviators to go to, <laughs> go to this museum. You did. I did. I had to do my part. I think that hangar is more what I, you know, know our naval. Our current naval. Yes. Forces to be. There's also a giant Coast Guard section there. Some of the planes that are in these places, I mean, they're massive. The jets are the small ones. And then there's like the giant prop planes that are inside. They're absolutely exquisite. It's an amazing experience. And the best part is it's completely free. It's there not only for public education, but this is also where naval pilots are trained. And the Blue Angels, the U.S. Navy's stunt team that is sent around the world to do shows is based here. And one of the best things about going to this place is you can see the Blue Angels show, the same one that they do at air shows across the country. They practice it twice a week and you can see it every Tuesday and Wednesday if they're flying, if they're there, it's not guaranteed, but it's the full show. I mean, they have bleachers, they have an announcer, they have concessions, everything, and it is completely free and you're up close and personal right near the Blue Angels and get to see them fly. Yeah, and we've seen the Blue Angels fly a few times in the Chicago Air and Water Show and that is... Well, you do That's that peanuts you're with, compared to this. And you're with two million people yeah. when you do that. Yeah. Two here, million of your closest friends. Here you've got, you know, three, four hundred people watching. Yeah. Now, I will say if you're going to go get there like an hour before it starts, at least because the parking does fill up and it is a decent walk to get back to the airstrip where they perform the actual show. I would say even sooner, especially in real peak tourism season. Now, the thing, too, is that the museum is its busiest on the days that the Blue Angels are flying. Yeah, we didn't tour the museum on right. it. We saw a show and then we came back another day for the we museum. We actually spent three days at this museum. That's how good it is. Well, that's how much our kids really liked One it. One of the days was for the Blue Angels. Another day we spent all day at the museum. And then another day we did a couple other things. We did the lighthouse and we did Fort Brancas and we spent half a day at the museum. So if you go and you can actually get to this from like Gulf Shores, Alabama, too, it's actually real convenient for that part of the country as well. If you're not in the Pensacola area, 
make sure to bring your ID if you're an adult because you will not be able to get onto the base. Yeah. And if you don't bring your ID, then your trip turns into a three hour trip, <laughs> Jason. Uh, we learned the uh, hard way. I think that's all we need to say. I about didn't that. bring my wallet one time, <laughs> one of the times. And we were almost there. I mean, it was an hour drive from our campground. The kids. We drove all the way back to the campground and then all the way back Jason, to the museum. The kids watched all of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and we still were trying to get back to the naval base. But it is important to know adults do need to have an ID and you do you need to have the ID. They check your IDs when you come onto the naval base and make sure you use the east entrance onto the naval base. There's some signage issues and some Google Maps issues where they might send you to the main entrance to the, the base. They will not let you in there and it's way out of the way. They'll turn you around. You have to go to the east entrance and you have to have your IDs there, but you also have to have your IDs to get into the museum. So once you park, you have to make sure to bring your ID in. And most people would, of course, do that anyway. But the thing is, you also can't bring backpacks or anything like that into the museum. So you might think about like leaving your purse in the car or whatever. But you do need to have your ID at the front door. I don't know why. I don't know why they check your ID at the gate for the whole base. And then again, because you're on a naval base. I know. But still, I mean, I mean you're come in on. a museum. They've yeah, already checked you. They've base. already checked you. <laughs> and and you do need to have your ID to go back to the Blue Angels show as well. They'll check there. Can't bring any weapons, anything like that. But you, you leave can your bring, weapons at home to uh, go to the naval base. But you can bring you can bring drinks and stuff to the Blue Angels show. But you cannot bring any beverages, not even a bottle of water into the museum. So there you have it. That was our experience over on the naval base. In a minute, we're going to talk about all the other things we did in Pensacola, especially where we ate and where we stayed. So speaking of highway to the danger zone, I was only able to channel my inner maverick thanks to my Shady Rays aviators. Shady Rays is a new sponsor on the show, and these are amazing sunglasses, you guys. These are sunglasses that look and feel and act premium. They are premium sunglasses, but not at the premium price. We all know that super expensive sunglasses are a bit of a scam. Shady Rays is out to do it differently and give people a lot more bang for their buck. Their shades are polarized. They're made to hold up no matter what you do to them. But even if you do do something to them, you can drop them in a lake. And right? we know someone who has dropped sunglasses in I tipped in over a canoe a few weeks ago and <laughs> lost a pair of sunglasses. Unfortunately, they weren't my Shady Rays. They were a $70 pair of sunglasses. Anyway, if I was wearing Shady Rays, Shady Rays would have sent me a new pair. Doesn't matter what you do to them. They'll send you a new pair. You just have to pay a small shipping and handling fee. And they send you a new pair. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's pretty great. And if you are interested in trying out Shady Rays, and we hope you are, they are giving RV Miles listeners an awesome deal. You can get two pair for the price of one. Their glasses start at just $45. All you have to do is use the code RV. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the code RV, and get two for the price of one. So as much fun as the Naval Air Station Pensacola is, there's a whole lot more to do in the Pensacola area, particularly 
one of our favorite places on earth, Fort Pickens. I love Fort Pickens. So Fort much. Pickens is part of the Gulf Islands National Seashore. And we started the Gulf Islands National Seashore back at Davis Bayou over in the Biloxi Ocean Springs area. That's where it sort of begins and it crosses all these barrier islands along the Gulf Coast. And the last one is Santa Rosa Island over at Pensacola, where the town of Pensacola Beach is. And then as you exit the town of Pensacola Beach, heading out on the island towards the east, you get out onto National Park Service property and several miles of pristine, untouched beaches. The beaches are gorgeous. It's sugar sand. It's blue water. There's just this calm and this peace that just comes over you the minute you cross onto National Park land, at least for me anyway. It's just you just know something's changing. And you can feel it. You know, Pensacola Beach is a lot of hustle and bustle. It's a resort town. It's People partying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. It's got such a fun atmosphere. And the minute you cross onto that National Park Service land, it's like everything just kind of slows down. And out at the end of the island is a fort that the area is named after Fort Pickens. And it's another amazing fort that you can get out and explore around. And we went up to the fort so many different times. We did. And the nice thing about this as well is that they have their own campground that's only about a mile from the fort. There's actually a trail that will take you from the campground to the fort. So you have all of this access to it, especially if you're staying in that campground, which we did. We were fortunate to be able to get 14 nights, which is the max that you can stay there in Fort Pickens campground. We were in the Sea Loop. The entire time. Now, when we were there two years ago, we were only able to do seven days. We sight hopped six times in order to stay. So it was really nice to be able to tuck in and not go anywhere this time. We were also there. We began this trip at the start of National Park Week. And I cannot think for our family anywhere else that's more appropriate for us to start National Park Week than at Fort Pickens, because it really is just such a special, special park for our family. Yeah, we got to learn a lot about the Civil War history, more so this time than we did the first time we were there, because we did uh, some ranger guided tours. We sat through a couple different programs. There's a great ranger there named Caleb that does a Civil War soldier program where he's, you know, he's he's all in all year long. He's wearing a wool uniform. And he does musket demonstrations. He does cannon demonstrations where they actually fire them. And he's just so knowledgeable about the fort and about all the battles that that took place there. Uh, and he really took care of our kids and, and they learned a lot from him. He did. Ethan thinks he's pretty cool. <laughs> I think we did three different ranger programs with him because yeah. every we just wanted to keep coming back and listening to him talk. In fact, we had heard the program enough that there were some places in it because some of the information stays the same, depend even though the subject matter might be the cannon or it might be the musket that, you know, the kids had kind of memorized by the third one. They knew but the third one <laughs> they added on. He, he had a guy that played a bugle and he also played the the, uh, the fife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was an expert on the musical history of the Civil War. So he would play all the different calls that gave soldiers signals to do different things because there was no 
communication system, of course. Well, and because they were all deaf. Yeah. Well, yes. As well. From all the cannons. Yes. Yeah. So that was really fascinating because that's a aspect of military life that I never really thought too much about. And he had so much he could share with us. We stood and talked with him and Caleb for a very long time after the program was over. And he just continued to share. He's a volunteer who comes in and does this, which I think is wonderful. And so he just had all this stuff he could share with us. And he let me ask some of even my probably very ridiculous questions about music. And I can't say enough about ranger programs in general, but these particular ranger programs just felt very personal in the sense that they were so willing to talk to us afterwards, to take pictures with the kids. They wanted you to stick around. They wanted to talk to you. They wanted you to feel like this was your park. Yeah. If you go to the fort and you're not staying at the campground, it's probably like a two hour visit at the fort itself. And then if you want to explore some of the of course, you can spend more time there, but then you can explore some of the other places on the island. And the island is full of military history. There are all these weird gun installations, cannons that pop up out of the ground from different eras of military history. I'll say it again because I've said it before. It's like being on an episode of Lost. It really is. It's like you're in weird beachy jungle and then all of a sudden out of nowhere outcrop these industrial military looking buildings that are just sort of hidden. Yeah, it's quite amazing. But if you do, if you can stay at the campground, this is one of the best campgrounds we have ever stayed at in the national park system. Yeah, they're going to pack you in like sardines. I think that's just the national it's, park way. Like, it's don't be surprised tight. by it, that. It's not as tight as like some commercial campgrounds we've seen where there's oh. like four feet between sites, but it it's pretty tight. Yeah. I mean, you're you know, you're right there with your neighbor yeah. for sure. But it's the same like that at the Watchmen. It's the same like that in Buffalo River. It's that's just, you know, kind of the National Park way. It doesn't matter, though. The vibe there, it's like the again, it's with these campgrounds and National Park Service campgrounds. The minute people get into there, everyone is just so happy. We all love being there. National Park spaces just change your whole attitude and osprey fly over your head you, you can go crabbing out on on the beach blue angels fly over your campground the blue angels when they make their big sweeping turns they come right over the campground it's amazing you can swim on both sides of the island one side is the bay side that has calm water it's calmer but it's a little bit muckier uh, there's more stuff in it because it's calm and then on the gulf side there's big waves but the water's a lot clearer yeah. And we did both sides while we were there. The kids got snorkeling gear. And so they would go over into the bay and the bay area is perfect for snorkeling. Yeah. So when we moved off of Santa Rosa Island, when we would venture outside of the campground, we would go into Pensacola and Pensacola Beach. And there are some amazing places to eat. The first one we want to recommend to you is in sort of the little downtown strip in Pensacola itself. And I have to say that to get to Fort Pickens, so there's Pensacola, there's the big town of Pensacola, and then you cross a, a long bridge to get to Gulf Breeze, which is another little town, and then you cross another bridge to get to Pensacola Beach, which is out on Santa Rosa Island where, where the fort is. But in the town of Pensacola, there's a really quaint little downtown. I guess Pensacola is the first real settlement in America, they say. So in their little quaint downtown area, uh, there's a little street called Alcanese Street, and 
the Alcanese Kitchen and Tap is on that street. And that was the first place we ate in Pensacola. And it was it, Ooh, was, it was a good. fantastic lunch. Yeah, it was good. Things like we had like amazing fried pickles. Yeah. And I, I had a really good burger. Shocking. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think Ethan said it was the best chicken fingers and french fries he's ever had. And look, let me tell you. Ethan's had a lot of chicken fingers and French fries. So that's saying something. <laughs> the next place we ate was on the, the boardwalk in, in Pensacola Beach. And we we went here a couple times. Yeah, because, you know, we can't talk about a city without talking about pizza. This place is called Papa's Pizza, and it's well known in the area. It's New York style pizza. It's OK. You know, we're Chicagoans, but whatever. Uh, actually, uh, actually, we prefer, we prefer it. it. It's New York style pizza. They also they have two types. They have the regular big New York style, but then they have a Sicilian style, which, which is, is a, my preferred the, style. The thicker crust, um, thick, thick all the way through, you know, so not good. just the end, but the whole crust is is sort of thicker. It's a denser, heavier pizza. Really, really good pizza. Yeah, it's just this little tiny restaurant right there on the boardwalk. And you can sit outside. They have about three or four tables outside, maybe a few more. And then there's a few tables inside as well. And what's really great and so great for kids is that if you sit outside or you're positioned in such a way inside, you can watch... The pizza makers throwing the dough up into the air. They're going to do all of that before they make your pie. They're just going to be tossing that dough up in the air. And it is so much fun for kids to sit and watch them just fling those things up there. Just around the corner from Papa's Pizza is, I think, at least for me, was my favorite meal in the Pensacola area. My favorite restaurant, probably because of just the whole way it was laid out. The vibe is incredible. It's called Redfish Bluefish. It is on the bay. It is almost entirely outdoor seating. Uh, about half of it's sort of covered indoors, but it's open to the outdoors. And then the other half of it is actually out on a really nice lawn area that is full of outdoor games, like a giant Connect Four, or a giant checkers set, and all sorts of stuff for, for the kids and, and adults alike to play with. Yeah. So that's what is so appealing to me about it is that we can get there and you've got these, you know, picnic tables and it's very much like you're dining al fresco. And then the kids, they can go off and play. And there's other kids there, too. It's very family friendly. So they're making friends. They're playing games. We get to sit there and we get to have some cocktails. We get to take our time eating because no one's getting bored and they want to leave. And that to me, I mean, this is it just really sort of embodies for me what I feel when we go to these beach towns or, we're, you know, ha as we have been along the coast for several weeks now, everything just slows down. It's you can literally sit and take your time at a place like this. They're not rushing you out. They know you want to hang out and have some drinks and stuff. Yeah. And I think we discovered that there's someone who listens who did the hardscape and the landscape for Redfish Bluefish. Yeah. And. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but you did an amazing yeah, job. Yeah, it is phenomenal. It's, it's so well done. It's so clean and perfect. All yeah. you know, the, all the lawn and the and the sidewalks and and the tables, everything is just clean and perfect. And it's just a a fantastic experience before you even get to the food. But the food is so good. Food is good, man. Those grits. I'll eat those grits all day long. I have had more shrimp and grits since I entered the coast than I've probably had in almost all of my existence on this earth. And I don't tire of it. I just don't tire and of it. I had the catfish and grits. And I'm, I'm a big catfish fan because I grew up on the Mississippi. And but those grits were 
I'm not a grits fan. Oh, they were like so good. But those grits were the most flavorable thing. I mean, they had andouille sausage in them and everything. So we went and had a, a wonderful experience with the kids. And then our friend Walter came in town and his family is from Pensacola. And he just happened to be coming into town the same time we were. So we got to meet him and and we all went over to Redfish Bluefish again. Yeah, because he was like, where should we go to eat? And I said, oh, I know where we need to go to eat. And it just so happened to be that it was across the street from his hotel. So it worked out really well. But there is something for us. And this doesn't happen too often for us on the road. When we get to meet a friend from home. We love him dearly. We love his partner, Eugene. To see Walter, you know, outside of Chicago and to meet him here and to have that little bit of home come to us was just, oh, it was just so good for our soul. It was so great to see him. We had such a wonderful time at this restaurant because, again, the kids could just go off and play. We closed that place down. They were like, excuse us, you you really have to leave yeah. now. <laughs> so they weren't. But, no, they know. weren't. But they were definitely <laughs> they cleaning up around us. So we were getting the we were getting the signs. Rightly so. So Pensacola may not have been on your Florida list. A lot of people, when they think about Florida, they think about Miami. They think about Orlando. They think about the Keys. This is a wonderful piece of Florida that is much more accessible you know, you don't have to drive the eight or nine hours down the whole length of the state to get to some beautiful, pristine beaches along the Gulf. And we absolutely recommend that you spend a good amount of time whenever you get the chance in Pensacola, Florida. Hey, we've been talking about Pelican Coolers from PelicanCoolers.com for a while now, but we also want to tell you about something else that Pelican Cooler sells. These are these personal utility cases that we have grown very fond of. They're called the G10 Go and the G40 Go. The G10 is a little one and the G40 is a big one. The G40 is probably, oh, it, it's big enough to fit my cell phone and my wallet, my keys in. Yeah, and we really like when Jason puts his cell phone into the G40 I, because nothing's mm, crushing it. I crushed my cell phone a couple weeks ago again. Mm-hmm before there's a theme going on in there's, the ads yeah. in this episode yeah, i don't know if you i don't know if anyone's picking up on this theme here but there's the loss of the sunglasses <laughs> the crushing of the cell phone we have a jason fund essentially that just is emergency fund for things like the this. pelican go cases are personal utility cases they're ip67 rated which means they're going to protect you from water dirt snow and dust they're waterproof to a depth of one meter for up to 30 minutes. Yeah, and I believe so much in this case that I stuck my own phone in my case, closed it up, and threw I it into the ocean. Threw it right into the Gulf. <laughs> they're abrasion and impact proof, uh, ABS outer shell, they're rubberized, so if you drop them, they, they protect the stuff inside, it bounces a little bit. There's a cool little thing inside the G40 as well that that has a uh, elastic strap to hold your phone in place and you can put credit cards in there, sort of like a large wallet. And they've got a handle that you can put a carabiner on and carry them. And they've got a lifetime guarantee. These are super solid cases that are really meant to protect your stuff for some heavy duty adventuring. So if you're interested in picking one up, just head over to pelicancoolers.com and don't forget to use the code RVMILES. Because with any purchase at PelicanCoolers.com, you will get a free tumbler when you use the code RVMILES.
It's time for what's become our new favorite segment on the show, Fresh Tank, Black Tank, where we talk about our favorite things and our least favorite things happening in the RV industry, in the outdoor industry, in the world of recreation, in the world at in large. In the world at large. We're flipping it, though, this week. We're actually going to do the Black Tank first and then the Fresh Tank because it felt like such a Debbie Downer. Yeah, we want to end on a positive note. Yeah, we really, yeah. you know, I don't want to leave all angry. And we want to rant. Yeah. We want to rant without feeling that we're, we're we have to we have to be nice. Well, I don't want to rant. I mean, sometimes it'll just be things I find annoying. I, rant. I know you do. You're fired up and ready to go. <laughs> Abby, what's your black tank for the week? My black tank this week goes to the Camp Four at Yosemite Campgrounds. So this is a campground, an incredibly popular popular campground that has been first come first serve for. Ever. No, it's not an RV campground. No, it's this only is a tent. small tent campground. It's only tent. bouldering happening and stuff yeah. there. That, and it's been very famous for many years. Yeah. But I'm still going to talk about it because sometimes we like to camp in a well, tent. This issue, we don't want this issue to filter out to, you know, the RV campgrounds either. No, no, we don't. So they are rolling out a new system where they are going to start doing a lottery and the lottery will happen the day before you want to arrive. So it's essentially going to continue to feel a little first come first serve, but you're going to have to enter into a lottery in order to camp. Now, it's a pilot program. They're doing it during their busy season. I think it's going to start here in just a couple of days and then it's going to run through the summer. What I'm black tanking this for, I don't have any issue with a lottery system. None at all. I understand. What I'm black tanking this for is that they are charging $10 to everyone to enter into this lottery. And if you don't get in, if you do not get a camp spot, you don't get your $10 back. And if you want to try again, you have to pay another $10 and you have to pay another $10 and you have to pay another $10. And you can't get this campground like months out, right? You have no. to. This is day before lottery. The lottery will open. I think it said at like four o'clock Eastern Standard Time the day before you want to arrive and then it will close, I think, at midnight and then you're informed via email. There are many lottery systems within the National Park Service. You know, if you want to do Half Dome, you're going to pay a $10 entry fee. However, the difference is, is that with Half Dome, it's a one and done application and then they pick and only so many people get a permit for that year. With this particular campground, you pay your $10 every single time. So if you have this small window, so you want to try for five or six days, and you don't get in the first time you try. Okay, well, now you can try it for the second time. We're going to pay another $10. You potentially could pay out $60 if you try six times and never get in, because then even once you get in, you're then going to pay not $6 a campsite, as some people keep trying to tell me. No, you're going to pay $6 per person on that campsite with up to six people. So... It feels a little bit like a money grab, more so than I think I've ever felt with the National Park Service. And, you know, prices have been kind of going up all over the place. And I know we're all going to start screaming about the backlog. And I think that this prices people out. I think it's frankly a little unfair. Well, I I actually don't think it's a, a money grab. I think it's an attempt to use money as a deterrent. So, OK, fair enough. Know, I'll give you that, too. I, I think, think it's a little bit of it might be worse, you know, to do that. People that can afford to throw $60 at trying six times don't care. But people that can't afford that do care. That's really unfortunate. If there's a cost to implement the system, make the people that actually 
get the campsites pay a little extra. And I'm not quite sure what the need is to go from first come, first serve to lottery. But whatever that is, why can't you just open this up like all the other reservations through recreation.gov? Yeah, months in advance. If you're going to do the lottery, why doesn't why don't you start the lottery months in advance instead of the day before so people can plan? It's strange. You're black tanked. I don't know. I will see how this I hope this pilot tanks. (laughs) What's your fresh tank? So my fresh tank this week also goes to the National Park Service. The Grand Canyon has an international team of paleontologists who are going to be uniting together to study these fossils that were recently found in a remote location of the Grand Canyon National Park. And they're primitive tracks from tetrapods, which are four-footed animals. And they believe that they inhabited that space 280 million years ago. So this was, I believe, during like the Permian period. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I'm notorious for saying words wrong. But that period is prior to the appearance of some of the earliest dinosaurs. And this is here in the Grand Canyon National Park. I just think That story is so super cool. And they shared a picture. The National Park Service shared a picture on Facebook of an up close picture of the tracks. And it amazes me that our parks continue to hold so many secrets and those kind of discoveries continue to be made. Grand Canyon, you just get fresh tanked this week because I just think that's the coolest. And I wish I could go join this dig. It's it's always amazing. We never think of new discoveries happening you know it feels like everything's been discovered and then something like this comes along and I there's know. new discovery I and now all these people it. are coming to like figure it out i just i think it's really cool all right jason what's your black tank this week all right sit back here <laughs> should i should i go make a cup of coffee okay, so no, maybe uh, get a uh, no. should i go pop some popcorn right. is that what you're saying i'm gonna name names here and i don't normally do that but i was listening to this podcast the other day it's another rv podcast called the rv show usa Maybe you've listened to it. Maybe you haven't. But I've this, I've only listened to it a couple of times. And this guy. Well, it's kind of like listening to one of those talk shows on one of the major networks or or on AM radio where everything is really intense. Right. So this guy brings on a guest who he calls Mr. X. And Mr. X is a former Camping World employee. And he goes on and on about how Mr. X is going to blow your mind with all these revelations about Camping World and what they do to you at Camping World. Now, if you haven't heard, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. There are a lot of stories that people have lots of issues when they go buy an RV at Camping World. Yeah, I don't know if people know this or not, but don't bring up Camping World unless you just really want to open Pandora's box. Now, half the people that tell you <laughs> never go to Camping World, it's terrible, you should never go there, have never been to Camping World. But that's oh, besides the Oh, well, you don't point. know that. Don't well, be making claims I mean, you don't know. Well, we haven't surveyed the th- all of okay. the people in the world. You're you're absolutely right. But they bring this guy on, and he starts talking. And, and the host is is going nuts about really pushing him with leading questions like and what did they make you do and is that right to do to customers and serious stuff like this i listened to this whole dang one hour interview with this guy and not a single thing he brought up surprised me not a single thing camping world has the cheapest rvs out there but what they do is they make all their money on the financing okay i mean i don't we all know that 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 
automotive dealers make money on the financing and pretty sure that's what they did to us with go I, I mean, yeah i mean that, that <laughs> happens right I, you know if you're a cash customer they don't like you as much they appeal to your feelings like if you're a grandparent and you mention you have grandkids well they'll try to push you into something a little bit bigger that has room for all your grandkids isn't that just being a salesperson i Look, I'm not trying to give a positive spin on Camping World here, but what happens is Camping World is the only major national dealer. There are some dealers that have several dealerships across the country, but Camping World has hundreds and they're the only ones we hear about. So when you hear somebody say, don't go to Camping World, they're really going to get you with your pants on. You know what I mean? Uh, the thing you have to understand is you have to have something to compare that to. Is the dealer across the street any better? You don't know because that dealer across the street doesn't have hundreds of locations across the country that you've heard all these negative reviews about. It can happen to you at any of these places. You need to be watching your back at any dealer. Now, there are some great dealers out there. I've heard a lot of people say they've had a really fantastic experience at Camping World, by the way, as well. It sounds like to me, though, what you're most frustrated with is sort of like the lead into all of this, that this the sensationalization of Camping World and what this episode was supposed to be and that you devoted an entire hour of your life to it only to come out of it feeling like you were fed. just I a, learned that uh, yeah. in, in, at the end of the interview, the guy's going, wow, my mind is absolutely blown by what Mr. X has had to say about Camping World. Can you believe it? And it's just normal stuff that all dealers do. I just want to point out that not only have I popped my popcorn and I'm here for this, <laughs> but it took 94 episodes before I, we finally got an episode with Jason, who's just like, here I go. And I've got I got to <laughs> unload this. I'm going to unpack it. I am amazed because, I mean, it it's nine point four minutes every day at our house <laughs> before Jason's well, unpacking something. But here, here's 94 episodes. I'm really proud of you, hon. Here's one of my main issues with this is that you'll often go to an RV show where there's a bunch of different dealers there and Camping World is often one of them. And you hear all the other deals. If you walk around and you listen to the dealers talking to the customers, you'll hear a lot of the dealers saying to the customers, don't go over to Camping World. You know, those Camping World guys are going to do to you. They're going to X, Y, Z you with your pants on. And they're doing the same thing to you. Again, there are plenty of great dealers out there. Don't want to say that there aren't. There are plenty of great dealers out there. But when you buy an RV. The number one most important thing is that you buy a floor plan that you like in a quality brand. Brand is more important than dealer, way more important than dealer. It's hard enough to go to all these different RV stores. Your area might only have one or two RV stores. It's hard enough to find the perfect RV without excluding dealers just because, you know, you have to watch your back. Watch your back at all of them. And you'll be all right. Whew. All right. Whew, I got I need to take a breather. <laughs> Do you Is have your a mind blown by what I've told you on this episode? Do you have a fresh <sighs> tank for us? I do. Good campground neighbors. Holy cow. There are neighbors right next to us at this campground right now. And they are new full timers, but they're in a, 
a big, nice Monaco RV. Oh, so pretty. And they just got a whole bunch of new stuff. And some of their stuff that they're replacing, they could they could sell on Facebook Marketplace or eBay or whatever. But eBay's just, a thing still. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Didn't yeah. know that. I don't know. I haven't been on eBay. I feel in a like while. eBay's like the the MySpace. It's still there. Anyway, these people are getting rid of a bunch of stuff, and they're just walking around the campground, taking it around to people, and saying, "Hey, do you guys want any of this?" Yeah, it's really sweet. I just got a a, a freshwater hose from them, a fifty foot one. We've we've been traveling with the twenty five foot one, and it's a little short. And they asked me if they if we wanted their fifty foot hose, and it's nice. It looks brand new, and sure, absolutely. We all like a good campground. Neighbor. So, I, you know, campground people are absolutely the best. Every now and then you get a stinker in there. But for the most part, we have the greatest conversations uh, meeting all these people at these campgrounds everywhere we go. And we really love it because everyone's in a good mood. They are. They're all on vacation. That's right. Except for us. And there you have it. So <laughs> that is our fresh tank, black tank for the week. Let's uh, go to a new brain teaser. You got one for us? I do. A duke was hunting in the forest with his men at arms or women at arms, you know, his humankind um, at arms and his servants. When he came across a tree upon it, archery targets were painted and smack in the middle of each one was an arrow. Who is this incredibly fine archer? Cried the duke. I must find him. After continuing through the forest for a few miles, he came across a small boy carrying a bow and an arrow. Eventually, the boy admitted that it was he who shot the arrows plumb in the center of all the targets. You didn't just walk up to the targets and hammer the arrows into the middle, did you? Asked the Duke worriedly. No, my lord, I shot them from a hundred paces. I swear it by all that I hold holy. That is truly astonishing, said the Duke. I hereby admit you to my service. The boy thanked him profusely. But I must ask you one favor in return, the Duke continued. You must tell me how you came to be such an outstanding shot. Well, he did cheat. How did he become such a good shot? He knows Robin Hood. <laughs> if you think you know the answer, send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or a direct message on any of our social media, and you might win a Not All Who Wonder Are Lost t-shirt. Looking to connect with other RVers and access tons of great resources and discounts from motorhomes, travel trailers, fifth wheels, bus conversions, and more. FMCA is here to enhance your RV lifestyle. For as little as $5 a month, you can travel with peace of mind knowing FMCA has your back. Deals and discounts include RV insurance, roadside rescue, and tire savings programs. Plus, their medical emergency and travel assistance program is included free. I don't know if we've made clear that FMCA is a nonprofit RV club. It's ran by members and its mission is RV education. All the members have access to FMCA University, which is an online library of 600 or more articles and videos and all kinds of stuff about RVing. You can even take quizzes to test yourself, to test your knowledge, which I, I'm, you, you and I are doing. That. We're going to do that. We're doing it. All FMCA events include seminars to teach about RVing topics like maintenance and how to boondock and all that sort of stuff. They have driving schools throughout the year. Plus, you get the monthly magazine, which has all sorts of great information in it. So it's really all about education. And a yearly membership is only 
$60. But RV Miles listeners can save $10. Just visit fmca.com slash rvmiles19 and you can save $10 on your FMCA membership. fmca.com slash rvmiles19 or just click the link in the show notes. We wanted to take some time here to talk about some changes we're thinking about. Better pop that popcorn. I just made another bag. Well, you know, (laughs) we live in a converted school bus. We're full timers on the road. We're in a converted school bus. If you, you know, don't know. We bought this bus uh, three years ago, a little over three years ago, three years ago, February. And we spent uh, six to nine months converting it. And we've been on the road full time ever since. And. We're loving it. We absolutely love our bus, but we're starting to feel it's time for a change. So we're thinking about and thinking about doing it pretty quickly, moving into a trailer and getting a truck. Yeah, this is a really hard topic for me to talk about. So we'll see if we can get through it. But it's hard for all of our family. I mean, we've all been discussing it as we tend to do with family decisions like this. All five of us discuss it and we've all shed tears over it. Yeah, we have. And, you know, a lot has just sort of been happening recently that Bussy is telling us, hey, you guys, I'm getting tired. I'm getting old. I don't want to travel as much as you want to travel. And you know, we're listening to that. And obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we've had a few major things with the bus over the last several months. And for me personally, that has started to create a lot of anxiety. I feel anxiety every time we fire this thing up and we move to a new location. And that's not fun. That's not what this is supposed to be about. This is not what our travel life was supposed to be about for me personally. And uh, we know that changes on the horizon. We don't know what kind of change that's going to be. We know that we want a travel trailer. We have some ideas of what we want, some brands that we're looking at. But other than that, this is just where we're at right now. We don't know where it's going to land, but we do know that it's going to have to land somewhere. And we'd like it to land relatively soon over the summer as we tend to slow down our travels. This is a great time for us to make that change because the bus is already going to go into storage and we're already going to kind of be moving stuff out and doing some car traveling. And I think, you know, everybody travels a little bit differently. I think there are all kinds of different RVers and and we're starting to feel like we might be more comfortable in a truck and a trailer. And maybe it's just a grass is greener scenario and, and we don't know. But the one thing that is uncomfortable about our bus is it's not great for traveling in. Abby and the kids are not super comfortable while we're moving down the road. And I think we'd be a little bit better off in a truck. I think busing will make a wonderful home for anyone that is looking to be really stationary. And, you know, when we started this journey two years ago, RV Miles was in its infancy. I mean, we were converting the bus before RV Miles was even really a thing and before this podcast existed. And we didn't realize the trajectory that we were on and the trajectory we're on is amazing and wonderful, but it wasn't really what we built the bus for. And we've been trying to kind of fit the bus into this lifestyle in regards to the travel. You know, if I was just staying somewhere for months at a time, I I would love everything about this home. You know, it is our home. We built this with our hands, our babies, 
we're in here building this. It's really hard to think about giving it up. But that's not the life that we really lead now. And so we know that change is coming down the horizon and what that's going to mean for us and what that's going to mean for our travels and how things happen in the future. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, the the other day we have we have our TV in here. It was the TV in our apartment. So it's like really old. And we think it's starting to do like this weird wiring thing. I don't know. Well, it turns off and on yeah, and its own like, all the time. It's like it's got a mind it's, of its own now. Like it decides it just doesn't possessed. work. Yeah, it is. And uh, Henry, our youngest, was really, I mean, and all the boys have been very, this has been a little bit difficult for them to talk about. You know, it's hard for them to think about letting their home go. We went through this similar experience when we left our apartment and moved into Bussy. We have to remember that our home and our family exist wherever our family is. It's not a space that creates a family, but the people that are in it. But there is still this transition, you know, and there's still this idea of moving from something that you're familiar and comfortable with to something that's new and different. Anyway, Henry was way not on board at all. He was very distraught about leaving Bussy and the idea he calls the van Go-Go and, you know, having to get rid of Go-Go. And then the TV shorted and he started having a difficult time playing Minecraft. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm ready to move into um, a travel trailer, mom. Can we go get that? Because the TV's not working. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted to go that day. Like he was ready to go. And he has it in his mind that each one of them are going to get their own television. And I don't know what planet this child is living on, but I was like, you will not be getting your own TV. That's just not happening. I know it's it's weird. Yeah. But, but the mind, the mind of a, a modern day, almost six year old. The, the wildest thing is they are saddest about getting rid of the minivan, which is about five years old for us now. Yeah. And uh, but the thing, too, for us, when we do have issues with the mechanics of of the bus and of the car I never thought having two motors would that didn't scare me at all. And a lot of people say, oh, I want a truck and a trailer because I don't want to have to deal with the maintenance on two vehicles. I'm starting to feel that. (laughs) I mean, I'm way beyond starting to feel that and and realizing that, you know, if if we have a truck and a trailer being full time and, you know, it's different when you're full time than if you're just vacationing. If something happens to the thing that's got the motor the truck, we'd still be able to stay in our trailer while that truck gets repaired. We'd be able to rent a car while that truck gets repaired. That stuff is a little bit harder when the bus needs to be repaired because then you're moving into a hotel or whatever. Yeah. And and that's a little bit more challenging. As we go through episodes throughout the summer and as we move into the fall, you know, there's just a lot of change coming here for RV Miles and the way that we explore America and how we plan to explore it. Nothing is really written in stone. We just know that change is coming. And obviously, we welcome any suggestions you might have for like a travel trailer we should be looking at because, you know, we're kind of starting from scratch. The only real deal is that we're looking for something that's got a bunkhouse. Yeah. With enough with three bunks, at least. You yeah. Know. Uh, you know, we want the that, boys to have their own yeah. dedicated space similar to what they have right now. So we would love to know what is working for you and 
or if you've seen something that you think is really cool, we would love that information because as Jason said, we are kind of hoping that we can turn this around over the summer, which means we have a lot of work to do yeah, in a and very like short amount of time. Early summer. Like we want this done by like, you know, mid, mid July. Well, you know, yes. Dreamers can dream. <laughs> well, if it doesn't happen by mid July, then we've got a bunch of commitments and it's not going to happen until later in the year. So, I know. so hey, send us some good vibes, yeah. y'all, because changes are coming and to the upper sense. So we'll, you know, we'll be talking about that journey. And I think maybe it'll be interesting for you guys to hear about our purchase process and all that uh, as we continue to move forward. That's about it for this episode of the podcast. For everything we talked about today, visit the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 94. And you can get all of the links about everything we talked about, about all the advertisers, everything like that. And if you love the national parks, make sure to listen to us over on the America's National Parks podcast. This week's episode was about the LBJ Ranch that we visited back when we were in Texas it's really about barbecue, though. It, it's more I mean, about barbecue than anything else. I mean, we finally got a food yeah. episode in here. <laughs> <laughs> Only took us a little over a year. And of course, RV Miles is all across social media. You can just search for us on your favorite platform. And then we are also over at OurWanderingFamily.com, which is our personal travel blog. And we'll be talking a lot about our transition out of Wonderbus and when that does happen. And of course, we're at social media all over the place as well. So thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, LL Bean, the FMCA, Shady Rays, PelicanCoolers.com, and Togo. Thank you to you, the listener. And until next week, keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody.